Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Cavaliers Central, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Pod, Hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. My name is Devin Zanskis, as always, and today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be coming at you solo here on Nuck If You Buck. I kind of wanted to go through... Um, how we got here um, as as in how the current iteration of the Bucks got here. I'm not going to be going through the 50 plus years of the franchise's history. Uh, I don't think any of you would have time to listen to a six hour podcast. Uh, per- perhaps that's how long it would be. Maybe someday we'll go through that. But uh, yeah, I highly doubt that. I don't think any time in the future anyone Uh, would be interested in a six-hour-long podcast, but I could be wrong. Anyhow, the history we're going to be going through today will start, um, obviously, the biggest inflection point in the Milwaukee Bucks' um, recent history and in their uh, history uh, as a franchise was when uh, Bucks GM John Hammond drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo 15th overall, in the 2013 NBA draft. Um, As many of you may recall, that was uh, a famously weak draft, similar to how this year's draft is advertised. Uh, You had Anthony Bennett going number one overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Though it was a weak draft, that was definitely one of the most shocking uh, number one overall picks uh, that I can remember. Um, and yeah, not a ton of star talent there besides Giannis. You did have Victor Oladipo going, I believe, second overall. CJ McCollum went to the Portland Trailblazers uh, a little later in the top 10. 
Uh, and Rudy Gobert was drafted 27th overall, if I uh, forget if I said that or not. But yeah, anyways, Giannis was drafted 15th overall, of course, and uh, yeah, revisionist history is uh, certainly a son of a gun, but there are also rumors following the draft that Dallas and Atlanta were interested in him at all, or were interested in him as well, I should say. Uh, the Hawks had the number 17 overall pick. I remember that because I actually won a Jabari Parker bobblehead at the uh, Locked On Bucks uh, live podcast uh, a couple of years ago, back when we could all still congregate at bars. But anyway, that was when the Hawks were drafting, and of course they missed out on him. And the Dallas pick... I believe they had their original pick may have been one ahead there at number 14, but um, they ended up trading that pick and and got uh, Shane Larkin, who was drafted number 18 overall, if memory serves me right there. Um, anyway, that doesn't matter. It's not my job to memorize all of the picks of the 2013 NBA draft. Uh, it's just important that I know who's drafted number 15. Speaking of the number 15, in that first season, Giannis's rookie season, the Milwaukee Bucks won a league-worst 15 games. And, uh, of course, they had the uh, best odds at getting the number one overall pick, although that... Uh, doesn't always happen uh, as we ended up with the number two pick and ended up selecting uh, Jabari Parker. Um, it made me wonder how different things would have been had we ended up with that number one overall pick and if we would have ended up drafting Andrew Wiggins. I believe at the time and I was definitely much more into the NBA at this point, so I trust my memory a little better. But I believe Bucks fans were more interested in Jabari at that point. There was some debate that they would maybe even want him over Wiggins. Um, however, uh, who's to say exactly how much that idea uh, changed once we knew we had that uh, number two overall pick? Um, but yeah, really rough year there. Uh, only 15 wins, as I had said, and we were last in defensive rating and also last in attendance at the Bradley Center. I know that there were a ton of extremely uh, cheap tickets out there for college students and uh, probably for anybody, but I, I remember my brother was in college at that point and I ended up seeing like half of the season uh uh, in the Bradley Center just because it was so cheap even even for him at the time and let's see after that the 2014-2015 season um, it was the first year where we had Jason Kidd as the coach following Larry Drew being fired and we we jumped all the way to a 500 record, 40, 41 wins, 41 losses. And uh, along with Jason Kidd, Sean Sweeney also was was one of uh, Kidd's assistants. And, and he would grow to have a really strong relationship with 
with Giannis that that uh, also affected some of the hard feelings when uh, Kidd and his staff was fired and uh, obviously that happens in the NBA when when a head coach is fired uh, his and a, and a new coach is hired uh, that new coach often gets gets to take any um, any of his uh, assistant coaches from previous jobs uh, with him and get a new staff behind him. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Giannis is probably loyal to a fault. So, let's let's not get into any discussions on whether or not that will affect him signing a Supermax or remaining with the Bucks long term. Um, getting back to it, the 14-15... The, uh, uh, 500 win season was the last year with those uh, hideous Milwaukee Bucks Christmas jerseys. Um, thank God for that. Those were just terrible. I know there may be some nostalgia there for some of you, but I I, I can't say there's a ton there for me. Uh, good riddance to those Christmas jerseys. And then uh, back on the court, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, acquired Michael Carter Williams from the Philadelphia's uh, 76ers following his his rookie of the year campaign it was in a three-team trade with the Phoenix Suns in which we sent uh, Brandon Knight and Kendall Marshall to Phoenix and we got back in addition to uh, Michael Card Williams from the Sixers we got back Miles Plumlee and Tyler Ennis from the Suns and uh, the Phoenix Suns sent their 2018 first round pick to the Philadelphia uh, 76ers, which that 2018 first round pick ended up being uh, McCall Bridges, uh, number 10 overall, uh, Philadelphia native uh, Villanova alumni. His mother actually worked uh, in the, the 76er organization, but then they traded him back or not really back to the Phoenix Suns, but um, the pick that was originally the Suns that Suns is they ended up trading to Phoenix after all for what would become uh, Zaire Smith and the highly coveted at the time 2021 Miami Heat first round pick. <laughs> um, yeah, um, for for a long time there, those Heat picks were were famous for. Uh, potentially having disaster potential for the Heat in that they could be uh, really lucrative picks. But as we speak, the uh, Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals. Um, although they did, they did have a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a lot of bad luck with with injuries. They're losing Bam Adebayo. Uh, Goran Drag- Dragic and uh, Jimmy Butler being being hurt there. So shout out the Miami Heat again. It's it's still a little fragile there for even myself, I must admit. But we got to give credit where credit is due, especially myself. I certainly have slept on the Heat all throughout the playoffs. Um, <laughs> besides the Miami Heat, um, the Milwaukee Bucks did some other. Um, great moves in that in that off season uh, heading into the 2014-15 season where we signed uh, 
some some uh, contributing veterans such as Jared Bayless to a two-year six million dollar deal. We traded a uh, excuse me. We traded a 2020 second round pick to the Wizards for uh, Jared Dudley, and uh, I also I I. I remember Zaza Pachulia playing uh, a a bit more of of a serviceable role there for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's probably more so credit to uh, Jason Kidd than well, yeah, because Zaza Pachulia was already on the teams. That wasn't necessarily a move, but that was just something that I recall uh, from that season was Jason Kidd using Zaza Pachulia and thinking, "Wow, Zaza Pachulia is still a real player in this league," which. He's literally not a player in this league anymore, but still for 2015, it was shocking for me at the time. And um, not that it's entirely worth mentioning, but uh, Jason Kidd also did bring on his buddy Kenyon Martin from his days with the New Jersey Nets. You may also recall that uh, Chris Middleton had two buzzer beaters from the 2014-15 season, one over... Uh, one against the Phoenix Suns and then one against uh, the aforementioned Miami Heat, which uh, also involved uh, Zaza Pachulia jumping out of bounds and tossing it back back in bounds where it would end up in the hands of Chris Middleton uh, for the buzzer beating three. So, yeah, it was it was an incredible season for the Bucks. Um, we. Being a 500 team and being a 15-win team the season before, it's not like we had uh, great expectations uh, heading into the playoffs uh, as we did this year. However, uh, after forcing uh, a game six, and there was another buzzer beater in there actually, which involved two of the veterans that I had mentioned before, uh, Jared Dudley throwing it into to uh Jared yeah excuse me Jared Dudley throwing it into Jared Bayless on a on a baseline uh baseline cut at the buzzer I believe my my friend Brad was there actually I'm I'm jealous of the kid but uh why why be there's no sense in being jealous he's a season ticket holder for that alone I'm jealous but uh can't be hard on myself for missing a game that he was at just based on the sheer volume that he's been to. Um, but anyway, despite that buzzer beater, um, we had an absolutely embarrassing game six loss to the Bulls in which it was a near record 54-point uh, uh, loss to the Bulls. And I, I was looking up because I was like, that has to be a record, but... Uh, of course it isn't because they had a certain someone by the name of Michael Jordan on their team at some point. So um, I imagine that's where the actual record came in. But still, 54 points. They nearly double, doubled our score in that game. And you may also remember uh, that that was the famous Mike Dunleavy game where uh, I believe Mike Dunleavy uh, just stuck Michael Carter-Williams in the jaw on a on a previous play. And then Giannis came down. Uh, on the other end, after the refs uh, must have missed it and just trucked him into into the first row, uh, I'm not condoning violence by any means. 
even on the basketball court or against NBA players, but it's definitely fun to see to see some fights in the NBA. This wasn't a fight, but but a little bit of action because you you do you do get a lot of pushing and shoving, but everyone knows they're not really going to fight and they have enough big bodies to get in between guys, but yeah, maybe there's no no salvaging my reputation on this take, but I, it probably it probably felt a little better than it normally would since we were down by 54 and I was incredibly salty at the time, but uh, we'll let bygones be bygones. Moving on to the 2015-2016 season, the Bucks uh, ended up with uh, eight less wins than the season before, unfortunately. Um, although we did have a huge, uh, one of our biggest, uh, off-season signings for the, uh, in the franchise's history of, of Greg Monroe, he was, believe it or not, like one of the big fish of that, uh, 2015 off-season and there were rumors of him going into Portland and maybe the New York Knicks... That seems to be what I remember, but maybe I just kind of throw them into every big off-season rumor as as everyone has for uh, decades now. But yeah, we ended up getting Greg Monroe on a three-year, $50 million deal. We also would go on to draft uh, Rashad Vaughn with the never, number 17 overall pick. And this is uh, one, one of the misses that I will that I'll definitely get back to in the summary and a big motivation for doing this, uh, how we got here, because there are questions uh, about the the Bucks youth's uh, sustainable success and and uh, depth, especially playoff depth. And missing on draft picks like this is certainly uh, where we will get into some trouble there. But I didn't really have any problems with it at the time. It's the number 17 overall pick. You're not necessarily expecting to strike gold uh, like we did in 2013 with Giannis. Uh, the idea was that that uh, Rashad could shoot in the league, although he, he may be ended up proving otherwise, and that's why he's not around much anymore. But the big disappointment was uh, trading Norman Powell, who was, uh, I believe, the number 46 pick that year and the 2017 and a 2017 first round pick uh for gravis vasquez um another pass first point guard that seemed to be uh motivated by uh our coach at the time jason kidd Uh, if i hadn't mentioned it yet that that 2017 first round pick that we traded uh to the Raptors along with Norman Powell become uh, OG Ananobi, uh, someone that I that I definitely was was very interested in our slot that year, um, but we did not end up getting him. Another another uh, yeah, kind of pointing back to the Rashad Vaughn pick there, uh, a big miss that would would definitely help us uh, now and. Uh, moving forward with our young talent. Um, we also, before this season, ended up extending John Henson for four years, $44 million. Um, not, mm, 
some maybe some would say it's a bad a bad contract. I could see why someone would call it a bad contract. Um, not even using hindsight, at best, John Henson was a f- a fringe starter, probably more so a high end backup center. As as we're more aware now, the least valuable position if we're if we're straight up valuing uh, the standard five positions in the NBA and yeah 11 million a year for um, a fringe starter more so backup center is already not great especially at the time but the four years in addition uh, they're also uh, uh, bit us in the butt there but we'll We'll uh, get more into the ramifications of that. Um, so yeah, overall that was a bit of a bit of a disappointing season for the Bucks. Um, but let's not forget that we did end the Golden State Warriors' twenty-eight game win streak in the Bradley Center, where Giannis was just two two assists shy of a triple double, and Greg Monroe, our big off-season signing, had. Uh, 28 points against the the ooh not eventual champs I'll catch myself there uh, the eventual 73 uh, win team and uh, and uh, runner up to the championship there after giving up a 3-1 lead to LeBron James and the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers I, I was actually at that game and although the no dunks crew I will say uh, maybe is my favorite non uh, hoops head podcast out there. I shout out to them. I love them for just for just bringing all all their personality, their chemistry of their chemistry as a group, and just being uh, un- unapologetically themselves. That's kind of what I strive to be on on this podcast. Shout out to them, but. I will not give them a shout out specifically for for um, not uh, giving me a shout out as they used to back in their they're now the no dunks but in the starters days when when they were on NBA TV and they'd throw up fan signs I had a fan sign <laughs> that that game maybe the biggest game the biggest regular season game of the season and they didn't throw me on. I tweeted at them. I had the hashtag. I added them, so to say. But they ended up throwing on a Celtic fan instead. So I won't say shame on you, starters or no dunks, because you've brought me so many smiles throughout the years. But I'm uh, still slightly disappointed to this day. Maybe you can repay me by jumping on uh, Nuck if you buck someday. But we'll get there. And now we're going to be getting to the 2016-2017 season where the Bucks uh, would bounce back a little bit with 42 wins and um, and a return to the playoffs in which they would end, end up um, losing in the first round again in six games, this time to the Toronto Raptors. Um, but this was also uh, Giannis's first... Uh, all-star season and uh, Giannis 
was the most improved player that season, while Malcolm Brogdon also won Rookie of the Year um, as he was he was drafted uh, in the uh, excuse me he was he was drafted that previous season there in the second round with with Rashad Vaughn. Uh, so so maybe that'll make Bucks fans feel a little better about that Gravis Vasquez trade, but. But yeah, not a big margin for error with uh, winning a championship as uh, us Milwaukee Bucks fans know all too well. But um, but yeah, good memories there. Shart, uh, the <laughs> excuse me, the start of a of a wonderful award winning career for Giannis with the MIP and the All Star appearance. Also, technically for Malcolm Brogdon, we'll see how many more uh, awards he wins. Um, hopefully, he does. Uh, we have no no hard feelings for Malcolm. He's a he's a wonderful individual. Um, but what was huge about this season was actually uh, the off season leading up to it. As I had mentioned, we only won thirty three wins the season prior, so we ended up with the number two overall pick. And I remember just. The the utter shock and disappointment on my brother and I's face when when uh, when one of my brother's friends uh, spoiled the number ten pick when we would end up choosing Thon Maker um, and yeah I remember being being super disappointed in it at the time although it did age much better for us and there was some reason for us jumping ahead there because. Uh, the Sacramento Kings Kings also had interest in Thonmaker. They ended up drafting uh, uh, Georges Papayanis. So <laughs> that also a questionable pick at the time. But I could see where uh, how they would have gone after Thon if they if they were so intrigued by Papayanis there. But at the time, uh, I thought Thon was mocked in like the early second round more. So even even late late first round, I thought. Uh, maybe would have been a stretch for him, let alone the number 10 overall pick. Considering his health issues was was the main thing, but we know John Hammond, uh, for better, mainly better considering that we got Giannis out of it, he was enamored with uh, with length. So yeah, we ended up with Thon, a bit, of a, a bit of a reach at the time, but it aged okay considering that definitely wasn't the uh, downfall of the Bucks that offseason. What it was was the signings that we made with the big cap spike. Although we weren't alone, um, they're definitely just uh, off the top of my mind there. Uh, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb, Joakim Noah, I believe a Kent Bazemore, um, Timothy Mozgov, Luol Deng, how am I forgetting? How am I forgetting them? Bismack Biyombo, all just just replacement level players getting getting uh, definitely at least uh, a certain starter level money there that season. And although uh, there is there is a point to the cap spike and using it and losing it that season. What I remember Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue saying about that off season that puzzled them was just the fact that they added 
that a lot of these contracts, even even what the Bucks made here, had so many years on them because the cap spike only really applied to that one. Well, that one season was was where it really spiked, and obviously the contracts didn't age well, and and this was where uh, probably the biggest demise to to the Bucks at this point, considering what they had to uh, give up to get off of some of these assets. Without further ado, uh, Matthew Della Vadova, we signed for four years, thirty-eight million. million. Uh, not, not the worst contract, but we had to give up assets to get off of him. Uh, definitely the worst of this group. We signed uh, uh, Miles Plumley to a four-year, fifty million dollar contract, um, in which we actually got off pretty good on that. But I would say. That's more so um, um, to the fault of the team that we traded Plumley to. It was the uh, Charlotte Hornets whom we traded him to eventually. We traded uh, him to the Hornets, like I said, for Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes. So, yeah, not a ton of credit to the Bucks for, for making that big signing. Some credit for... Well, definitely credit for being able to move him, but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely mainly not a smart move on the Hornets, more so there. And also Mirza Toledovic, we signed for a for three years at $31.5 million. <laughs> um, at, at the time, he was, he was coming off the bench as um, for the Phoenix Suns and... And I, I get the idea of having uh, kind of like we do now with Ursan uh, uh, and Brooke and um, now retire uh, Marvin Williams. It makes sense to have to have uh, some stretch bigs and be able to uh, space out four positions around Giannis. But considering how one-dimensional Toledovic is, especially compared to... Uh, the players that we have now that I had just mentioned, uh, yeah, giving him uh, $30 million over three years, more than $10 million a year, definitely was not a great idea. However, um, we were able to get off of that contract for um, definitely nothing nothing to be thrilled about there. Uh, we ended up stretching Toledovich's contract. Uh, I'll, I'll get into more of, well, I don't need to give you examples with numbers, but um, what happens with the stretch provision that we used on Mirza Toledovich is that, say a player has one year remaining on his contract when we, when we stretch it, that means we're stretching the remaining salary on his contract for two times the number of years remaining plus a season. So, like I said, if he has one year remaining, then we're stretching his remaining salary over three years. So, kind of giving up uh, flexibility um, in future years for uh, the more near future. And we were able to stretch Mirza Toledovic, although we didn't end up actually having his contract affect us in future years because uh, he was deemed uh, medically retired by, um, I'm, I'm losing the term now, oh, a fitness to play panel is the term I'm looking for. And 
basically, if someone is is medically unable to play basketball for for health reasons, unfortunately, in Mirza's case, it was a a, a blood clot in the lungs. You you just you just hate to see it for for anyone, especially when it ends their career. Um, they don't they don't count against uh, the salary cap. Uh, and and uh, also in that season, we ended up trading Michael Carter Williams for uh, Tony Snell, which definitely at the at the time I was I was a fan of, considering we were getting off of uh, a player that. Uh, was I mean peaked in his rookie year? Unfortunately, he's still in the league and is and is contributing uh, off the Orlando Magic bench. However, uh, shooting we've we've learned as uh, time has gone on and and the league has progressed that shooting is definitely more important than uh, than tall guards that many were so infatuated with. Uh, uh, earlier in the decade, and uh, after the sixteen seventeen season in the uh, twenty seventeen twenty eighteen season, the Bucks would again slightly improve their record to uh, forty four wins, uh, losing in the first round again. Of course, as Bucks are all too familiar with, this time in seven games to the Boston Celtics after Jason Kidd had had gotten fired and uh, Joe Prunty was uh, running the ship at that point. Uh, that was another all-star season for Giannis, of course. And there was the big Eric Bledsoe trade after after his I, I don't want to be here tweet that uh, according to him, he was referring to being at a, at a barber shop or a hair salon, one or the other, but uh, considering the state of the Suns at the time and the fact that he was kind of one of the few um, veteran, contributing veteran players at the time, uh, the Suns were like, yeah, we're, we're calling your, your bluff and we're getting out of here. So we were able to get really good value on that by moving on from Greg Monroe. Um, although he was a great signing for us and a, and a wonderful contributor, at this point he was... He was best coming off the bench and uh, uh, similar to Henson, like we had mentioned before, just um, just a little too too rich for a for a backup center, even if he was more of a scorer off the bench. Uh, we also ended up moving a 2018 second round pick and a 2020 uh, first round pick uh, for Eric Bledsoe. Uh, I don't quite remember the the protections on those honestly, but but the protections weren't terrible either. Uh, I know the the first round pick um, the, the first round pick had at most like a uh, like a lottery protection on it, so there wasn't a ton of a ton of risk there. But uh, re- regardless, the the Bucks aren't in the lottery this year of course um moving on from there um oh yeah um so just the the big highlight um from that season was uh 
I, I guess it's just uh, forcing a game seven, like I had mentioned in the first round, even after losing our head coach. I guess that would be the big highlight of this season was getting after Jason, getting off of, excuse me, Jason Kidd. But um, one of my biggest memories from that was actually a negative one in that we ended up playing uh, Jason Terry uh, 20 minutes, yet Tony Snell only three uh, you'd imagine that um, even if Jason at, at his advanced, advanced age was was still a better shooter than Tony, um, similar to like I had, I had uh, outlined there with Mirza Toledovich, Jason Terry was, and, and anyone at his advanced age uh, would be uh, extremely one-dimensional compared to Tony Snow, who could at least contribute uh, on both ends. Um Similar similar to how I've talked a lot about how Brogdon would have helped us out a lot in our recent series with the Heat. Uh, Brogdon, obviously, a much better player than Tony Snell ever was. But uh, basically, re- regardless of that, of that um, huge oversight there on the on the Milwaukee Bucks, that one player. Uh, probably wouldn't have swung the series anyway um and then in that uh oh yeah and then before this season the the uh big uh ramification in terms of the bucks future success was i shouldn't say well dj wilson is a very interesting character in uh, the Milwaukee Bucks lore, let's say. Uh, we drafted him with the number 17 pick, and I recall being really concerned about it at the time because uh, questions about his rebounding and the Bucks were were like bottom five and rebounding at the time, although he was was advertised as a stretch big. I thought of it more as theoretical at the time, but the pick ended up aging aging well besides the fact that we chose him over uh, a John Collins who would would have would have been a pretty solid fit especially compared to what I thought of him at the time. Thought, yeah, what I thought of him at the time as mainly just a lethal dunker and rim runner like he is but he also does add the stretch element um even then uh, a Jarrett allen i thought uh would have been uh great for the bucks he's set he's definitely had a more illustrious career than dj wilson i should also point out though that that more of it is more of the blame there could be put on the Milwaukee Bucks for not giving him the opportunity despite the flashes that he's shown and and some of the players that are playing over him. Uh, cough, cough, Ursan Ilyasova. But the big miss, like I, I mentioned earlier, was uh, was uh, OG Ananobi. We, we definitely could have taken him, but I should be fair and mention that he did have a torn ACL, which which led to him falling so far and beyond the that 17th pick when he had been mocked to being somewhere in the lottery. Um, but yeah, it's so easy to forget about even for myself because 
he he miraculously he miraculously uh, recovered from that torn ACL quite fast compared to uh, pretty much any other player that I had heard of. So I don't have the exact details on that ACL, but yeah, maybe there was maybe there was um, I don't know maybe they were kind of embellishing his 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 uh, his medical record. But why 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 would you do that for a player heading into the draft? Uh, forget that. That's kind of foolish. But we'll move into the. We'll move into the 2018-2019 season, which uh, if we're talking about uh, improvements year to year, this was <laughs> this was an incredible jump from the previous season. This was the first season with uh, Mike Budenholzer as the head coach, John Horst as the executive executive of the year. We'll get into a little bit of magic between the two of them later, but I won't I won't spoil it yet. Um, beyond that note, um, is also Giannis's first year as the MVP, first year as the All Star captain, as it was the first year in which uh, there were captains selected to the All Star game, but also Chris's first All Star appearance, and yeah, it was just an it was an incredible year for the Bucks, and although um, it was a disappointing end to the final series that we were in in which we lost to the Raptors in six losing uh, four in a row after jumping to a 2-0 series lead as I have outlined in the past Um, yeah going from not winning a first round series and let's see I'm going to scroll up here losing one two losing three in the previous four seasons for the Milwaukee Bucks and then uh Forcing a game six in the conference finals the final year. Uh, definitely uh, not a season to hang our heads on uh, despite the conference finals uh, performance. Some notable acquisitions that summer before that led to this jump was selecting Dante DiVincenzo 17th overall. And he didn't end up con- uh, contributing a ton his his first year he had a lot of uh injury issues and that kind of led the trend led to the trend um started i believe by locked on uh bucks the uh secret dante trend about uh having having dante divincenzo kind of in our back pocket which uh we certainly did we pulled him out of that that back pocket and he was a is a great contributor to this uh, past season, but we'll get into that a little bit. the The uh, biggest acquisition of of the of this season that probably was the single biggest factor in John Horace being the executive of the year was Brooke Lopez uh, <laughs> being signed to a one year uh, $3.382 million contract after a disappointing year with the Los Angeles Lakers. I remember it was funny how uh, how uh, he he wouldn't have signed a similar contract with with the Lakers or 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 the yeah it's just it's just funny how um, how he didn't end up with the Lakers considering he was already there and you'd think um, that would uh, lend us some ease for a player not having to move across the country again but I guess for Brooke, it was more important to uh, have a 
have a guaranteed role there because I think that was more of the issues with the Lakers the year before. So that was that was quite a contract to uh, get Brooke on. Another um, great contract that we signed was was uh, having Pat Connaughton uh, for two years, but uh, only uh, Pat only only earning uh, 3.36 million over those two years, and that's. That's about the biggest bargain you'll get for for anyone on that level. Um, but besides those those two bargains, uh, definitely a lot of influence from Bud here on the Ursan Ilyasova signing, in which he got a, a very generous uh, uh, twenty one million dollars over three years. However, uh, let's not forget that uh, Ursan is not guaranteed um, he actually has a non-guaranteed so he's not guaranteed any money for this upcoming season so it's up to the Bucks whether or not they want to pay him this 7 million or they want to wave, wave him and not owe him any money so yeah effectively it's, it's a 2 year 14 million dollar deal with a team option on it is another way you can think about it and um, of course the Eric Bledsoe extension was that season around the trade deadline four years 70 million uh only a 3.9 million dollar guarantee on that fourth year let's not forget but that alone doesn't make it an amazing deal for the bucks now um as we've touched on a lot of the rumors that are spiraling around the the association and well are spiraling around the uh bucks organization as uh a lot of people, and rightfully so, don't think that the Buck can get it done with Bledsoe um, running the point, and uh, it's hard to blame them. As much as I got love for Eric Bledsoe and and what I believe he's capable of, he just simply hasn't proven it, especially in the playoffs. Um, but hey, as long as you're a Buck, we got your back, Bled. So. So yeah, we'll we'll just leave it at that and then move forward to some other big moves from that season that led us to where we are now. One was the John Henson and Matthew Delavadova trade, or rather let's call it the George Hill trade, because he was a huge piece that we got back who we whom we ended up uh re-signing uh this past offseason. But in order to in order to do so and move those bad contracts to make up for uh, ill-advised signings in the past. We also had to give up a 2021 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick in a in that three-team deal in which we got uh, George Hill, uh, Jason Jason Smith for a cup of coffee, um, a. Uh, Cleveland 2021 second round pick and uh, cash considerations from Washington, the third team in this deal. Washington ended up getting uh, Sam Decker, Wisconsin's own, uh, Sheboygan's own, I should say. I remember that was a fun uh, maybe 15 to 30 minutes when Milwaukee Bucks fans thought our Wisconsin boy would be coming home. But uh, uh, for better or worse, uh, that did not end up happening. The Washington Wizards also got Cleveland's 2022 second round pick out of this deal, and Cleveland ended up with those John Henson, uh, Matthew Della, Della Vadova, 
uh, contracts along with our uh, 2021 first round pick, a 2021 second round pick, and Washington's uh, 2022 uh, second round pick. So yeah, just those those uh those two uh, picks there that we won't have for the 2021 season uh, may end up uh, biting us in the butt there too, especially as we must be approaching, if not one of the oldest teams in the association and wanting to uh, prove to our superstar that he has a future here. So could be tough and uh, shows uh, how we have the lack of flexibility that we have today. Another deal where we sent uh, some picks, although less valuable picks, but uh, more picks overall was when we were, when we acquired uh, Nikola Mirotic. You know, without hindsight, I definitely would have would have done this trade ten times out of ten, considering we were a sixty one team at the time, and and you just got to go all in, as we learned from not uh, going all in and re signing Malcolm Brogdon. We ended up uh, getting Nikola Mirotic in another three-team deal in which we sent, uh, um, let's see, a we sent uh, Thonmaker, Jason Smith, a 2019 second-round pick that would turn into uh, Jordan Bone, who is now on the Detroit Pistons. Um, we'd send a our own uh, 2021, or excuse me, our own 2020 and Washington's 2020 second round pick that we had in our possessions as well as uh, Washington's uh, 2021 second round pick that we had. So, um, and then that all would end up with the New Orleans Pelicans. They would they would get the uh, four second round picks from us, uh, Jason Smith, as I had mentioned, and also uh, Stanley Johnson to the Pelicans. Uh, whereas uh, Thawmaker would actually end up with the Pistons, uh, I believe I kind of, I kind of articulated that poorly, but that's how the trade ended up. We know it didn't, um, we know it didn't end up the best for the Bucks in the playoffs, considering uh, Miritich's uh, cold shooting streak. However, we 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 definitely would have done that again without hindsight, especially considering that we ought to go all in on at that point when you're a 60-win team. And shockingly, Nikola Mirotic isn't actually in the NBA anymore. Uh, he played... Uh, I don't remember exactly. I believe he played for uh, either Real Madrid or Barcelona this past year uh, despite totally being able to sign another NBA contract. Uh, just wanted to return home, I, I suppose. But another fun note from this season from that season as uh, we all remember the end result in the playoffs and we touched on it earlier even was the uh, Tim Frazier and Bonzi Colson experience where um, where the two of them ended up playing uh, over over 50 minutes each in an overtime game maybe double overtime against the Atlanta Hawks where uh, we lose to uh, a Trey Young buzzer beater but just always a funny anecdote that I that I love to remember that Tim Frazier and Bonzi Colson played played uh, over 50 minutes for us in a game and 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 I uh, and I remember watching that with with my uh, with my buddy Justin at 
at uh, the Ale House in the Third Ward back when uh, uh, bars were still kosher those days. But but uh, yeah, just a fun little anecdote, and we'll move on to the twenty this past season, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. Um, we'll again here just kind of go through uh, some of the acquisitions with um, with how we got the team that we had this past season since we did have the the year in review a couple episodes ago. But, uh, of course, just a few notes that, that I have here for each season as a reminder. Uh, Bucks ended up with a 56-17 record, which was, uh, I may say, only a 63-win pace, which would have been... An, which would have been an improvement on last season, uh, but as we remember from our from our year in review, um, we were at a seventy win pace for most of the season. We actually ended up the regular season after those games that Giannis missed with a seventy eight win pace, but ended up with uh, only a sixty only a sixty three win pace after the uh, three and seven record in the bubble, and. Um, Speaking of disappointing bubble performances, of course, we lost in five games to the Miami Heat. Um, um, and we also have note um, kind of a big uh, takeaway from this this season was uh, that it was the result of the sign-and-trade deal sending Brogdon to uh, the Indiana Pacers for Wesley Matthews in this year's uh this year's first round pick but uh i guess i guess we can say the regular season was a success as Giannis was of course uh mvp and defensive player of the year only done by hakeem olajuwon and michael jordan he's also an all-star captain again and chris was also an all-star again uh going into the season and even before that malcolm bragdon signing trade that i had mentioned we traded uh, Tony Snell and our number 30 pick for uh, Kevin Porter Jr., which is a uh, promising talent on uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, shout out Justin Matcham and the Cleveland Cavalier podcast, of course, for the Hoops he- Hoop Heads podcast network. Um, but I, I, I tend to believe that we wouldn't have ended up choosing Kevin Porter with that pick, although he fell a mile to get to that point considering he was clearly lottery talent uh he he had he had a lot of character issues which led him to fall that far and uh, certainly if teams if no other teams besides uh the Cavs uh buying into that pick uh which they actually got from Detroit I don't have the details on that trade but this we sent Tony and this 30 pick originally to Detroit. Yeah, but anyways, I, I don't think the Bucks would have had would have had patience for someone who had a reputation of being a head case uh, at that pick. But we ended up getting John Luer back. We ended up saving a very minuscule amount of money there. But uh, as I'll go through, we had a lot of we had a lot of signings to make that season, uh, even without uh, bringing back Brogdon. Uh, we ended up signing Chris for that five-year, $177.5 million that uh, many thought 
might be kind of rough, but of course, considering Chris's uh, incredible season, uh, I don't think any Milwaukee Bucks fan would take that back. Um, another deal that I definitely questioned more at the time was the four-year $52 million contract for Brooke Lopez, considering that his age and um, him playing the center position, although he 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 does what he does at that position better than uh, almost anyone else, uh, um, him playing the least valuable position in the age definitely had me questioning whether or not it was worth paying him for four years and for uh, paying him over fifty million dollars. But you know that's that's kind of um, it's kind of ended up all right for the Bucks. Uh, after that sign and trade, we got Wesley Matthews, of course, for only uh, only a, only two years, uh, fifty uh, and excuse me, five point two five million dollars over two years. But uh, he's a player option for this coming season, so we'll have to address that as well. We got George Hill for a three-year, fifty million dollar uh, contract, which is uh, definitely a little uh, rich there in a vacuum. But let's be reminded that. Uh, that third year only has only has 1.27 million dollars guaranteed in the final season. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, levels of uh, definitely very extreme. Yeah, just really extreme levels of uh, of potential salary, but also uh, uh, just the tiniest of guarantees you could possibly get. I'm I'm shocked that's even he's even able to well of course he's able to cuz it could have been a non-guaranteed year and it's up to the negotiation but that's a that's a tiny that's a tiny partial guarantee for for the the veteran. I also question the fact that we were signing uh Brooks' brother at the time Robin for uh 2 years uh 9.77 million dollars and a player option on this season um but you know that's that's ended up fine. He's been able to provide more size that we have that we have lacked at times. Besides Brooke at that position, and he's 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 uh, somehow shown a stretch element this season. But we'll see. Um, we'll see if that kind of uh, regresses back to the mean a bit. Kyle Korver was was certainly a fine signing for uh, two and a half million as well. Um, as well as the Marvin Williams uh, signing following his buyout from the uh, Charlotte Hornets on February 10th. That led us to waving Dragon Bender. Um, obviously, obviously uh, um, none of us here are are shedding any tears for losing uh, Dragon Bender, but we wish him the best. And another another brother of a starter that we signed was Thanasa Santacumpo, whom we signed for... Uh, Two years at uh, on a million or and a million on a minimum deal for two years. Um, definitely kind of a funny situation to get us in into there, especially. I think Lockdown Bucks noted this too at the time. Like, like now we're kind of uh, now we're kind of putting ourselves at um, at the mercy of how Giannis will take it when we when we. Uh, Theoretically, eventually, don't hold on to Thanasis for as long as we'll end up keeping Giannis. But of course, 
seems like something Giannis probably would have asked for himself. Doesn't really seem to be in Giannis's character, but why else would you do it? I don't know, but um, that's essentially how we got to where we are today, mainly focusing on the transactions. And yeah, I just really wanted to highlight there uh, some of the missteps uh, through the uh, since we had gotten Giannis. Just quickly running through it. Um, again, there of course we really, we really can't fault the Bucks for what ended up happening with uh, Jabari Parker's uh, injury history there, but that definitely takes a toll on a franchise. Um, and drafting Rashad Vaughn didn't end up working out entirely well, but nor did especially um, the Norman Powell and eventually the OG Ananobi trade didn't work out well, especially considering we only got back Gravis Vasquez. But luckily we did manage to get Malcolm Brogdon out of it despite uh, losing out on him in the end, um, despite these, these kind of little moves on the margins through the draft and, and uh, overpays like in the 2016 uh yeah, 2016 offseason for uh, replacement level players. That was probably that's still the biggest misstep of them all. But yeah, as I mentioned, other other missteps were the 2016 offseason and signing uh, four year deals for replacement level players. Many many others also made that mistake. But uh, yeah, tiny margin of error if you want to win a championship and. And it's it's not good that we were we were one of the teams that ended up making those signings because we had to obviously eventually get off those deals to get to where we are today, um, which included giving up future draft uh, assets. So just something I wanted to uh, point out for Bucks fans there, uh, just just a little reminder on um, the importance of of doing well. In the draft, and not only the draft, but also in free agency, uh, no, knowing when to be a little more conservative and having uh, more of a long-term view, and not getting too caught up in in uh, in the market at the time. But now I will get into our our weekly draft analysis. This one I'm actually pretty excited about, and I'll admit I wasn't super excited about it going, uh, looking at my uh, my secret list that I have created for those whom I want to analyze. Um, considering he's not a big name, but uh, Desmond Bain, the uh, 6'6 wing out of TCU, he played three years there, and he shot... A uh, 44.2 percent over over those three years, and uh, that was also on uh, six attempts per game in this past season. Um, I guess I'll just run through the, uh, some more of his strengths. There, he he runs uh, off off a variety of screens very well, and in fact was one of only 20 Division One players. Uh, with more than 93 point attempts off screens and he made 40.9% of those uh threes off screens. 
he has also some really good range. He's not just uh, he's not just a shooter with his toes on the line there, and he can also uh, shoot well off the dribble despite not having a ton of shake to his game. He's uh, he also has a solid solid touch for his size and length, and he has a tendency to use use this hang dribble hesitation. Uh, push crossovers and to change the pace as was noted uh, by my uh, little draft guide assistance there and he uses those to get to the rim he has he has a bit of a floater game but doesn't use it use it a lot um, but that'll be useful for him as it is for uh, many shooters to add a little diversity to their game um, he's a high IQ and motor on defense plays hard and is is in the right spot most of the times and uh, he does excel uh, on defense off ball and makes good rotations uh, often gets into passing lanes and overall he can guard ones and twos and can uh, even check ones and switch on to fours at times. So definitely advertised as a very versatile defender. Um, but uh, he's also a really good passer and pick and roll ball handler, which uh, you, you you maybe wouldn't guess out of out of first at first glance. Uh, checking out some of his some of his games there. Um, and uh, that's considering some of his weakness there, weaknesses there that I'll get into. That being his his lack of uh, explosiveness and uh, uh, and just like questionable uh, footwork and uh, and athleticism. He also um, one one big part on him that that I imagine must lead to his to his incredible. Uh, I'll say variance in uh, draft projections is the fact that he has he has a negative wingspan. He has a six four wingspan while being six six, and that's that's quite shocking that he has there's over a uh, two inch decline in his wingspan versus his height. Uh, so yeah, the small arms are his probably his biggest weakness, which hurts him getting into the basket. And yeah, he doesn't have the best handle. And so we'll have to rely more on using his body and size once he gets to the NBA. But uh, despite that, it was noted that he is, he is a fine pick-and-roll ball handler as he is good at finding... Uh, seem, seems to be able to, to to look up and see everybody around the, around the court and especially find uh, corner three-point shooters. And uh, as, as I mentioned, with his, with his incredible three-point percentage, he can... Uh, he can he can fill it up in multiple ways, even off the dribble from behind the arc. So, I mean, i'd I'd be I'd be pretty ex- well. I don't, it's it's hard to say because he was definitely uh, he's definitely the guy in the Bucks range that I have that that's gotten the least press and and uh, is also mocked much lower in the second round on other boards, but. Uh, I mean, just from this, I'm excited about him, and it's not shocking considering he drew comparisons to Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, also having shades of of Eric Gordon. Gordon, 
Uh, those, those player comparisons are always a little tough and kind on the prospect, but another guy that that reminded me of Desmond Bain, because <laughs> um, in this, because um, he, I think he, he, he was definitely also compared to Malcolm Brogdon, but both comparisons were extremely generous, was a, uh, uh, shoot, I believe it was Skylar Mays, of the of LSU he's just another kind of kind of jack guard that that uh, that that doesn't have the best handles but but he can he can hit threes and and uh, and get to the cup and and use pick and roll too I think they're they're pretty similar prospects I think it must be Desmond's just incredible three-point shooting that Faults him ahead of uh, Skyler because Skyler is pretty uh, firmly set in the second round somewhere, but I I'm guessing he will be drafted. All right, now attempting uh, attempting to not run too long this time, I'll get into some of our mailbag questions and um, and first of all, shout out to uh, the homie Justin that I mentioned before when we had watched the Bonzi Colson. And Tim Frazier game, of course. He asked me who my top three uh, Bucks players of all time are. First two are pretty easy, although um, might be a little shocked at one of them. But definitely not shocked at Giannis. Uh, I mean, he very well will be the best Bucks player that I will ever see in my lifetime. Hopefully not, but that also wouldn't be disappointing at all, uh, considering... Uh, where where he's at in his career. I mean, two-time MVP, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season, like I've highlighted plenty. I mean, those are his biggest accolades, but I mean, just seeing seeing him out on the court especially uh, uh, speaks to uh, how, how impressive he is more so even, even than those accolades, so. Obviously, Giannis is my number one player. Number two is Brandon Jennings. For the culture, Bucks and Six, as I always like to point out, um, not only, I won't just say like the meme, because it is for the culture, Bucks and Six, it's 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 had a real impact on, on me being able to get hype for the Bucks in the past, but also... For someone, for someone with his lack of NBA size at times, it just really sparked. Not that I'm like not inherently a Milwaukee sports fan, but especially sparked my Milwaukee Bucks fan with just how easy the game, the game came to him with, um, just how incredibly, how incredibly fast he was and being able to to blow by guys and get to the cup while also just, just being able to to drain those. Uh, those rainbow three-point shots, obviously putting up 50, 55 his rookie year against Steph Curry, but there's there's so more to to his to his Bucks career and uh, his contributions during his Bucks tenure uh, than that one game, um, despite the limited uh, success. Number three was really tough, and I'm kind of gonna. Um, and I'm kind of gonna cheat a bit. Excuse me, I'm checking the time here. Um, 
I feel like I have to say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he brought us a championship and that's the right answer. Uh, it, fe- it feels a little cheating though since I haven't even really seen him in my lifetime and um, I have, I mean, I've probably seen a full game of his at some point on Hardwood Classics, but nothing that's obviously really stuck with me. Centers, especially old school centers, don't really excite me. Um, the Skyhook, although it was it was re- revolutionary, I suppose, um, definitely like maybe like the most effective signature move an NBA player has ever had. Not the most exciting, but he brought us a ship, so that that alone gives him a shout out and honorable mention, I'll guess, for uh, three way tie. Or two-way tie with maybe an honorable mention. Uh, Chris Middleton's another one that I had there. If if not just for being being um, one of the best players that definitely one of the best players that that I've been able to watch in uh, my Bucks fandom. Uh, he also just similar to Brandon Jennings. The game, well, he really he really does work for his buckets. I shouldn't say. I mean, the way he hits tough shots, he makes the game look easy. But also just the way he, he's able to use his footwork and, and score in the post as well as knock down tough shots and uh, just defy modern NBA offense by being being one of the most efficient mid-range shooters uh, also just adds to my appreciation for him and... Uh, I, I gave I gave honorable mention or three way tie to Ray Allen too. It's technically a buck in my lifetime, and I think I maybe would have enjoyed watching him even more than Chris Middleton. But I didn't get to watch him. But definitely check out uh, some some Ray Allen Bucks highlights to to see Ray as more than a shooter. And yeah, he he really had some fun dunks in his Milwaukee Bucks days. And of course that that tenure was uh, cut cut a bit too short um i'll get into um another mailbag question here uh shout out my brother drew for this he's always got my back as a good brother should um i may only have time for one of his mailbag questions today but he said it's cool if i save them for the future and he will uh definitely be on his podcast uh as long as he wants to and uh even if he, even if he's not feeling it, sorry, Drew, you're you're coming on this pod. You you don't have a choice, man. You're coming on. Too bad. Hopefully you're cool with it. But even if you're not, tears, you're coming on. Um. So this question. Um. Uh. Are um are we slash how concerned should we should uh Bucks fans be of uh. Doc Rivers signing with the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, I'm not really concerned. I think Doc Rivers is definitely an upgrade from Brett Brown. Um, Not even just the fact that they needed a new face in there. But um, yeah, uh, Doc Rivers is an amazing coach. He's one of the few coaches that's actually uh, been traded for assets like he was traded uh, to the Clippers back in the day. Uh, earlier in the decade that might just speak to poor business by the Clippers but 
counts for something as well as having won a championship before too that many coaches can't say and just always being on uh, winning organizations like the Orlando Magic in the Dwight days, winning the ship with the Celtics like I had mentioned, the the Clippers, although although they had some disappointment there, uh, he's he's definitely managed some good talent. But overall, I'm not too concerned. The problems with the Sixers this year, I don't think, was was ultimately coaching. I think Brett Brown, it's necessary to get a new face in there. Um, but his problems weren't there. The problems, I believe, were more so with, with the roster construction and uh, allocating so many of your funds towards Al Horford and not prioritizing shooting as much as they should have around uh, Ben Simmons, who is who is uh, more of a non-shooter than anybody in the NBA pretty much at this point in 2020. And Joel Embiid, although although he'll throw up those threes, uh, you'll definitely live with it, just like uh, op- uh, opponents will live with Giannis shooting threes. Um, the, the idea is, is that Joel is a much better three-point shooter and it, and it looks more pretty and he doesn't hesitate like Giannis does that th- that frustrates all Bucks fans but they're they're probably cl- they're probably more similar three-point shooters than people will think but I'll get, I'll get into uh, my brother's follow-up question here in that um, would um, would Doc Rivers be a better coach for the Bucks? Then, but now I think this is the more interesting question because obviously, Buck, uh, Bud's X's and O's aren't aren't really well. He's certainly able to build a great uh, offensive and defensive scheme uh, for the regular season, but where his X's and O's fail is that he doesn't have enough wrinkles for the Bucks to fall back on when. Uh, when you're able to catch on to what they're doing throughout a season and a seven-game series, and mainly um, just, um, yeah, obviously Bud's uh, just unwillingness to play his best players more than 35 minutes a game when you really need to, when it's do or die. That still blows my mind, and it blows all Milwaukee Bucks fans' minds still. And that alone, I think I think Doc Rivers would be... Um, I think he maybe would be better for the Bucks, even if we would give up uh, some regular season season, win, season wins there. Uh, Doc's been able to win a championship before. He's not necessarily a slouch, slouch with the X's and O's either himself. Can... Uh, Although this isn't really a concern in Milwaukee, he's able to uh, manage big personalities too. But yeah, I, th- I think Doc Rivers could be an improvement over Bud. But um, yeah, I didn't necessarily think that when this happened, especially because the Sixers essentially hired him within like a few days, it seemed like. So I didn't expect that they would try to go after him. But I definitely thought of it. And good question, Drew. Love you, bro. Um, and yeah, we definitely don't have time for your second question, Drew, but we'll get to that at some point. Um, 
is running a little long here again. Sorry, everyone. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that. But what can I say? I I love uh, I love talking bucks and uh, I love uh, stumbling around these talking points. But I'll wrap I'll wrap it up here again with um, with a little bit of what's more important than basketball. Um, as I had mentioned in the past, uh, I wanted to highlight a point that I had made last week with Jared Cohen. Sh- shout out Jared, uh, our guest from the Pick and Roll podcast last week, uh, who um, he was my first guest to to really uh, touch on uh, the racism and social injustice in this country and it's it's always it's always a tough topic when i have a guest on because i really don't know how to approach it i always give them the opportunity to say something um but yeah it's 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 just tough to know whether or not in the moment uh someone is prepared to speak on it but i especially wanted to shout him out because he he was able to get to the point that i that i really uh wanted to and should have got to right away instead of like getting into what um what the verdict was on the Brianna Taylor decision that we that we touched on last week um and why they came to the decision that they did it doesn't matter why they did but uh but but what the decision actually was and that was essentially that uh that the the cop who murdered Brianna Taylor was held accountable for the bullets that missed her and endangered others, but um, they weren't held accountable for murdering uh, the young woman. So basically, I just want to bring that up again to show you that, um, yeah, there's still a ton to fight for in this incredibly flawed country that there are. And there's nothing more patriotic you can do than recognize the faults in your country and do what you can to uh, to improve upon those faults and some other points that have come about this week um, obviously we had the debate between the uh, the incumbent and former vice president uh, Joe Biden it's not my goal on this podcast to get political whatsoever but um <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of things that aren't political are have been warped into politics lately, and just speaking on something, probably the biggest takeaway from that debate was um, was uh, not being able to um, condemn, denounce uh, white supremacy, and. Um, Specifically, as you see it in, um, I guess, anti-protesters, as you will see it. And I guess I just want to mention that today to uh, urge some of you, if you hear uh, similar reluctance to not, uh, I mean, yeah, to not stand, to not condemn white supremacy. And if you hear... Uh, if you hear people deflect from condemning white supremacy by pointing to uh, uh, rioting, which is very few and far between 
uh, from these protests. In fact, there was there was a stat somewhere out there that that ninety three percent of percent of these protests were peaceful. And although all protests should be peaceful, um, that that doesn't excuse. Um, yeah, that 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 doesn't mean you just totally uh, miss the point entirely of of those peaceful pro- protests, especially when they're protesting against inequality within uh, our country. And also, um, on on that uh, non political political note, I just want to remind all of you to wear a mask. Um, Socially distance yourself yourself from others, and yeah, just uh, don't be a fool. And remember that we are still in a pandemic, especially within this country and within the state of Wisconsin, where many of my listeners are. So take this seriously. And uh, on that note, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.